Super Talk Mississippi media production. State Treasurer David McRae is returning record amounts of money to Mississippians, whether it's through the College and Career Savings Program or the millions in unclaimed money awaiting your claim. Treasurer David McRae says get your application and claims today. Treasury.ms.gov. It's a great time to live in Mississippi, and we're talking about it. Welcome to the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk Mississippi. From the Citizens Bank Studio, I want to welcome you to the Ricky Matthews Show, where we celebrate the people who are working so hard to make uh, coastal Mississippi, and Mississippi for that matter, such a great place to live, work, and play. We're going to go to Jeff Duncan in just a second. I just want to share something with you real quick. I got a note from a friend of mine. His name is Dave Gleaton. Dave and I used to actually fish together on Courthouse Road Pier. I used to tell you that my parents would actually go and drop me off and come back and get me the next day, and you, you know, most parents would never even consider that these days and i didn't have to they didn't have to worry about me gallivanting because i was more interested in catching redfish and sharks but but she did and one of the guys i hung out with was david gleaton and david's parents you know you know he by the way david loved to fish and i loved to fish and he and two or three others of us used to do, spend the night on the pier with our our ears close to the reels so we could hear the reels go off we'd catch um, mullet and sell it at brady's fish camp for 10 cents a pound Man, those were the days. Well, anyway, I go on to do my career. Dave goes off in his direction. His family's home uh, in on Oleander in Gulfport was destroyed by Hurricane Katrina, and and Facebook allows you to sort of you know come back together again. I got a friend request from him some time ago, and I said, "Is this the same Dave Gleaton that I used to?" Yes, and it's been great being connected with him. Turns out he listened to my show. He's been listening to my show, and he sent me a nice note about. The reason he likes, he said, in the world that we're in today, I'm just paraphrasing, uh, there's, there's so much anxiety that it's great to come to a show that is mostly positive, and he really appreciates that. I get those kinds of notes all the time from friends and from people I don't even know that they appreciate the positive air of this show, and I, and I, I really appreciate the feedback that we're getting. People watch the show on YouTube or Facebook or their favorite podcast. Of course, listen to the show on Super Talk and it's great to give it's, it's great to get that kind of feedback for a show that I want to be positive I want to be constructive I want to be educational um, John major uh, sent something uh, or posted something John John works with the city of Biloxi it's a quote from Mark Twain that, that I've read before on the show but it just it's just a great reminder of sort of where I am in my life and here's here's what he said 20 years from now you will be more disappointed by the things you didn't do than the, than the ones you did. So throw off the bow lines, sail away from safe harbor, catch the trade winds in your sails, explore, dream, discover. That's what I'm doing with this show, man. That's, and I, I'm really enjoying doing it. I'm exploring, I'm dreaming, I'm discovering. And it's been a, it's been a fun journey as we've sort of uh, sailed from harbor and celebrated Mississippi. And I really appreciate the positive feedback. And especially, Dave, to you, my old friend, thank you for the feedback. I really, really appreciate it. So now let's shift gears and move over to my friend Jeff Duncan from NOLA.com and the Times-Picayune. And first of all, just say good morning. How you doing, my friend? Good morning, Ricky. Yeah, I love that uh, message, by the way. You know, keep exploring has kind of been one of my uh, mantras in life. I think uh, we should always stay curious and stay aggressive in life and uh, keep exploring, whether it's mentally, physically, spiritually, however, 
uh, don't ever lose that. Yeah, I was having a I was having a conversation with a friend, a friend of mine who who calls from time to time and will run a problem by me. He runs a business and run a problem by me and said, you know, what would you do in a case like this? And it occurred to me while we were talking that the experiences that I've gained in my career as a publisher, as a publisher that led major change efforts and had, you know, had entire cities against me, as you well know. It occurred to me that I earned the the ability to very, you know, in my retirement to very thoughtfully sort of give him a mirror to his problem and show him where it it seems big to him, but it's not really that big. And the wisdom that I've gained in my career, and look, you know this well from from having worked with me, uh, while, while we went through some difficult times together as we tried to discover you know how does the how does digital media fit into the changing ever changing media world? Uh, what you learned about me is that no matter how difficult it got, I never I never got a, I never got phased by it all. I understood what we were doing and I believed what we were doing was really important. But the experiences I gained as a result of all that and being able to reflect that either through this show or through the advice I was giving my friend, I don't take any of that for granted, man. I, you know, I think every day you wake up and you appreciate the world for what it is. You look back at the experiences you've had and you've gained wisdom from it. And as a result of those wisdoms, you can maybe convey learning and messages just to others to give them maybe a way to get through life because life can be hard. Life is hard for everybody, to be honest with you, if we're, if we're being honest. Everyone is going through something. And uh, my experiences have put me in a position where I'm very calm. And when I read that quote from Mark Twain, I really believe it that, that you know, no matter where you are in your life, you can still cast the lines off and explore and dream and discover. And, you know, I'm, I'm privileged to have gone through one of those journeys with you and I'm thrilled that we get a chance to visit every Friday. Yeah, you know, like like I think my favorite quote in life I, I have in my home office above my desk is from Teddy Roosevelt, the man in the arena, right? And basically that sums up the very similar type of philosophy of, you know, you, you have to attack life and, and you live it to its fullest and you're in the arena. And whether you fail or not, it's still a worthwhile endeavor to be in the arena competing in life or exploring life. Uh, and I just, I, I tried to live my life that way the whole time. I mean, I can go back to my early life, uh, early days, uh, the poem by Robert Frost, The Road Not Taken, right? The most, one of the most famous poems ever written. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's another very similar type of philosophy of take the hard road. I mean, don't take the easy road in life. Uh, you know, that's what most people do is take the easy road and uh, you'll be more fulfilled taking the hard road. So I, to this day, Ricky, when I run at the park, I know this sounds crazy. When I run, I always take the harder path when it forks around an oak tree or whatever, <laughs> just because that's still in my mind, that mindset, whether it's going to be a little bit further of a run or a little bit hillier of a run. I'm going to take the, the road not taken. I, 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 I'm with you 100%. In fact, I remember one show I actually shared uh, that Roosevelt quote just prior to you and I talking, and you and you, you said what it meant to you. But I, I think it really does exemplify who I am, and I've watched you as a reporter who you are. Um, we're not going – you and I are never going to, in our lives, in the, in the kind of pursuits that we go after, are never going to take the path of least resistance. We're just not going to do that. It's not even in our DNA to do that. And you know what it's like to be on top of the story where 
significant elements of the community are working against you. And I know what that looks like as well as a leader. Um, I just never, you know, someone said to me once, and you'll appreciate this, that he said, if everyone were like you and me, no one would stand in line at movie theaters. I just think that's a great image. Think about that for a minute. How, the, thank God there are some people who are willing to stand in line because if everyone were like us, man, it would just be crazy. The world would be <laughs> crazier than it really is. But I've, I've, um, I've, I've always wanted to, to, to be a leader. I've always wanted to help bring about change. I've done tremendous work to learn how to do that. Um, you have always been uh, a, a, a reporter and a journalist that never was willing to just take the story for the face value that you that you see initially. You know that there are as many sides to the story as there are people involved in the story. And the more digging you do, the more perspective you'll bring to a story. And it will often, often, especially if it involves potential change resulting from your reporting, it will often bring you to a very difficult place as a reporter. And uh, um, and you've never been unwilling to go there. That's been so impressive about you. Well, thanks. Yeah, and I think, look, you're just trying to get to the truth, right? And so sometimes the truth might hurt, but it's always it's always about finding what the real story is and the, the truth to it. I thought about it last night on my run of, you know, you know, covering the team, how it's changed in the New Orleans Saints I'm talking about, <clears throat> changed over the years. There's so much more coverage and so it's sometimes it's more difficult because the lines are blurred because there's so much coverage out there and trying to to get readers to, you know, kind of uh, fight through all that coverage and see what you can tell them that maybe they're not getting from somebody else. Give value to your coverage of uh, what's really going on. Right. This is a good example. And this might be a nice segue into talking yeah, about the Saints. Sure. But like yeah. right now, there's, you know, there's a lot of angst in the fan base. Right. The team's lost four or five games and people look at look to us for, to, for solutions or or, you know, education or, you know, enlightenment on what is going on with the team. And that's where I find value in what we do is trying to trying to inform the public on what the truth is, not not just what you think or not the surface or what the team and players might, you know, the the face value you talk about, right? The 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 you know the the coach speak. What's really going on? And that that's what I try to do every day when I'm out there. You know, I mentioned this in a, I mentioned this in um, I think it was actually the last show that we had that uh, when you look at the steps toward forming a team, uh, forming I went I went actually pulled this up forming storming norming and then performing. Let me let me take you let me take let me just say a couple things about each one. It won't take ten seconds, and I think some of this is actually happening. We'll determine later if it all comes to fruition. But we're at the end of the segment, so what we'll do when we come back on the other side is we'll start to put it all together. But you're right. There's too much media out there. There are too many know-it-alls out there. They're looking at the surface and they're saying, fire Carmichael. They're looking at the surface and they say, Derek Carr is a mess and, and so on and so on. It's way more complex than that. So much more complex than that. Can they find their way out of it? It remains to be seen. But we'll see, we'll see what Jeff has to say about that on the other side as we continue our conversation about the Saints. We'll see you after this.
passion and love for Mississippi is why he's here. This is the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back to the Ricky Matthews Show. And uh, Jeff Duncan from the Nola.com and the Times Picayune, he's on the Hall of Fame, NFL Hall of Fame selection committee. He's won just about every award you can win. He's the man when it comes to uh, his analytical and, and commentary work around the Saints and has been for many, many years. But we were just chatting during the break about the depth of the conversation that he and I just had. We've been through so many wars together. And, uh, you know, I just never know where the conversation is going to go. It's pretty interesting. That that I, I just Jeff, you're a smart guy. I enjoy spending time with a smart guy. It's just fun for me to be able to do that. I hope people enjoy listening to you and me jabber back and forth. <laughs> so let's come back to this notion of the team. Okay, so um, the first part of forming a team is they form. So this is when the team actually comes together and the members get to know each other and so on. Then there's a storming stage. This is when um, the teams start to discover that that team being a team is actually really difficult. You've got to you've got to do things that are harder than you expected, you know, really accepting that the team, and you know, this is one of their, if you look at the Saints, one of their big thing is, you know, little me, big team, and that's kind of the theme of the thing. But I think maybe they understood that there was going to be a storming stage. And then, of course, the next part of a team is they norm. The norming stage begins when the team is beyond the storming stage and begins to actually function as a team. And then there's performing. That's when the norming stage begins begins uh, as the team moves beyond the storming stage and 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 then starts to actually function in a high performance as a high performance team but you you've got to go through each of those steps um, so the sta- the team has been through the sort of prolonged storming stage you know a lot of finger pointing I don't know who is inside the meetings that are that has knowledge of what it takes to build a team is that is that uh, is that our head coach is that someone other some other person that's sort of facilitating these conversations but it's hard some teams never make it out of storming storming some teams never make it to norming so they can perform does that is that a, a anywhere near a, a framework for you thinking about it no, I think it's very apt. Uh, I think it definitely applies to what's going on right now with the Saints. And I think if you're a Saints fan, the one, you know, the, the encouraging thing is to see, you know, the players and coaches recognizing the issue and facing it head on. I mean, this week has been all about internal meetings, conversations, trying to hash out what's going on, what the problems are, getting it everything on the table and addressing it. And so I think that's what great leadership's all about, right? I mean, it's not always going to be perfect. You're going to face adversity. Now, how do you deal with it? And that's what the Saints have been doing this week. I mean, it's all about them right now. I know they play the Colts on Sunday, but they have to fix the Saints first before they worry about the Colts. And that's what this little mini break with that game on Thursday gave them a chance to do. I know there's been a lot of Zoom calls on the offensive side of the ball between Derek Carr and the and the receivers and, and the offensive line trying to figure out how they can get to the bottom of their problems on offense because that's really what we're dealing with here, right, Ricky? I mean, the defense is what it is. It's a top five or ten defense in this league. Special teams, depending on who you look at, rank near the top of the league. I know they've had some hiccups in the kicking game, but they're very solid on special teams. It comes down to getting this offense straightened out 
And I like what I'm hearing from the Saints, uh, you know, in, involved parties right now. They're trying to get to the bottom of it. Listen, one of the things uh, you encouraged me to go back and listen to the J.T. O'Sullivan assessment. You, know, you said it would be a 40 minutes well spent. And, you know, I watched it. And you can, you can, you can give a quick little summary on what J.T. O'Sullivan had to say because you wrote about it. But, but the thing that – and I, I want people to think about this going into whatever you say about what you observed in that tape and what you wrote about is that the, the happy feet and the quick decisions and the, the checkoffs and all the things that he talked about – is after he has already spent so much time with uh, with other coaches that were really good at helping him work through these issues, like like John Gruden, for example. And but he still has those issues. So I don't know is it is it the breakdown of the offensive line and the, the hyperness of of getting hit that's affecting him? Um, how do you read what J.T. O'Sullivan said within the context of having had so much education from someone like John Gruden? Yeah, it's a great question. And look, I, I don't know enough about how much of that was present during his career with the Raiders. It sounds like it was just listening to O'Sullivan. I think it's important to note, like JT O'Sullivan, former NFL quarterback, right? Basically played uh, a decade in the league as a backup, was drafted by the Saints in 2002. Very smart guy, Ricky. Cal Davis, PhD, master's degree, not your typical NFL football player. Uh, this guy's very bright and his videos have become very popular on the internet. I mean, his YouTube channel has almost 300,000 subscribers. And the reason they're popular is because he has an almost analytical, surgical ability to break down offenses and quarterback play. And in a very measured, he's not a hot take artist. And that's very refreshing in this day and age. He's able to kind of, he's got a little wit to him. And he's able to kind of show, I think, viewers and fans uh, offensive football in a very simplistic way so you can understand it. And what he does with the Saints is basically just tear down their offense and, uh, and, and in particular quarterback play because that's what he played in the NFL. And so I, I think he alludes to this being a, a, a trend with Derek Carr playing on his tiptoes, dancing around, poor footwork. And to me, that's just one example of what's wrong. You know, it, it's not one thing. It's kind of everything. Uh, and and it's it, what I keep coming back to, and I alluded to this on our Saints Insider podcast yesterday. Uh, it's it's attention to detail, basically, what we're talking about. So this applies to business, right? Any walk of life, the attention to detail is what makes the difference, especially in a hyper competitive environment like the NFL, where where you're you know you're competing at the highest level. The the details are what make the difference, and what you see in that video, JT O'Sullivan's video is a lack of attention to detail across the board on the offense, right? It's not always just Derek Carr. Sometimes it's Chris Olave running a sloppy route where he doesn't he doesn't bite it off with the sharpness it needs. He kind of rounds it off, and it causes a timing issue, and the ball goes incomplete in the red zone. The next time it's Alvin Kamara not making the block the right way in the backfield in protection, and it's just one thing after the other, but I keep coming back to the same thing. It's attention to detail and so that is what has to be done across the board on this team especially offensively if they're going to get to the level that we all think they can get to 
I thought JT O'Sullivan did an amazing job, and it sounds like his paid part that people would pay for sort of a different and more deep assessment is a place where a lot of quarterbacks uh, across the nation, you know, of all levels, go to to get some education from him because he's got again a, really a kind of a PhD's approach to it. Um, but what was interesting again, I think you're right that you know, as he was doing the assessment, he would say, "I want you to watch this play," and and the play was just perfectly executed. The ball was thrown exactly where it needed to be. The timing of the route was perfect. And he was and he would point out that this shows you cars capable of making that throw. You know, he's got to have, he's got the confidence to make that throw. Now watch this watch this play. He doesn't even wait for the receivers to get into get to even make their cut. And he's got plenty of protection and he's checking off. It's like he was going to check off from the very beginning. Of course, that was one of the things that the defense has said about us. Um, and it's puzzling to him that he, and then as you get to the end of the game, the, the, this last game, uh, when the going got tough, he was making the throws again. And then when they're trying to be organized about you know the play calls and you know making the calls from from you know the sidelines and they get clunky again. So we I think the thing about it is once you prove you can do it, the question is how do you do it again and again and again? And so he, he's had these moments of brilliance and then these other moments where he has zero patience. Yeah, and that, that was the scouting report on Carr when he arrived in New Orleans. I mean, the, you know, the, the thing that everybody said about Carr when he was with the Raiders, I mean, he, he made four Pro Bowls. I mean, he made them as alternates, but he did make the Pro Bowl, uh, is that he can make every throw. And you can see it. We saw it in training camp. It's a matter of consistency and, uh, you know, can he put it all together, not just, you know, game to game, but almost like half to half. You know, we, we see him in, within a given game go through inconsistency. And uh, I think that's the the enigma, right? I mean, uh, can he put it all together? Uh, you know, I had, I had uh, someone in the league tell me that, that coached Carr with the Raiders, uh, you know, that they're going to love Carr in New Orleans until they start playing games, right? So that's kind of what we've seen, right? I mean, it, it, all offseason, it seemed great. I was raving about him. And then as soon as the game started, there's just something off. And, I, and so that's the challenge to Carr and the offensive coaching staff is how do we get it out of him on a consistent basis? Because, uh, you know, you can see the, the talent and, and the, the ceiling on this player. Yeah, you can literally, you know, if we were to go back and have him and Gruden sit down in, a, in the quarterback room, you and and let's say let's say uh, Gruden once again doing the kind of assessment that JT O'Sullivan did. He he would stop the he would stop the frame and he would say, "Look at your toes. You're on your toes. Get off your toes. Do, with happy feet." I can hear Gruden saying that to him right now. But you know this guy's been in the league a long time. You think he knows that? I think this is part of the problem when you've got an offensive line that's not protecting him very well. It makes him skittish. Um, we'll pick it up on the other side. There's enough blame to go around. That's for sure. And not everybody having good games good games is I mean that's one of this this forming and everyone having responsibility for their actions and their performance is so so critical we'll continue the conversation with Jeff Duncan when we get on the other side reminding you why we all love living in Mississippi it's the Ricky Matthews show on Super Talk 103.1 
Welcome back to the Ricky Matthews Show from the Citizens Bank Studio. I have my friend Jeff Duncan from NOLA.com and the Times-Picayune, and we're talking all about the Saints. When we went to break, we were just kind of breaking it all down, talked a lot about Carr and what J.T. O'Sullivan had to say about Carr, but it wasn't just the it wasn't just about car that he talked about he talked about our offense some play calling some of our routes and how they were run but if you go back to the last game uh, jeff when people analyze the film people knowledgeable people analyze the film man there was plenty of blame to go around and when they come out of these games saying we got to execute better they really do mean that don't they yeah, it's it's that it's that attention to detail we talked about earlier. I mean, they've got to be better in the finer points of the of the game. I mean, it, it's just it's too competitive. And look, I, I would say this, and you know, I don't want to get into this conversation, but like that was a strength of Sean Payton coach teams is that attention to detail, and I think that's what we're seeing, frankly, uh, in this team that's different. It reminds me a lot, Ricky, of the Jim Hazlitt era, uh, where you had talented teams. Uh, you know, I think people tend to look back on that period and think those teams, uh, I, I always feel like they they sell them short. I mean, those were talented teams. They were they did have good coaches. And Aaron Brooks was a was a very talented quarterback, but he wasn't consistent. And that's what I'm seeing right now in this offense is the lack of consistency. So what these teams type these kind of teams do is they tease you. You think you're always close and like, oh, we're, we're, we could have won that game. And, and that's just the loser's lament, man. You're not ever going to be consistent. So even if the Saints do rise up here and win Sunday against the Colts and, and maybe beat the Bears and get back to five and four, I just don't see the consistency that's going to be able to be maintained over the rest of the season, uh, you know, from this team so far. I mean, I hate to be a, a Debbie Downer, but that's just me being being real with you. Uh, I've seen this movie before. Hey, but you know what's interesting? You have to, you have to. Okay, take a step back for a second. Just, just don't even think about the Saints for a second. You watch Kansas City Chiefs start the season. They look a little vulnerable. You've seen New England when they were in their Super Bowl, you know, days early in the season. They look a little vulnerable. But what you come to realize is to win in this league, to win the Super Bowl, to get to the Super Bowl, you got to have a star quarterback. I mean it. 99.9% of the time, those are going, especially in this era, going to the Super Bowl, that you got to have a star quarterback. And you can, you just see Patrick Mahomes slowly, well, not slowly, but surely, Lord, he's dominating. But that that's what it takes to win. Now, not everybody can have Patrick Mahomes. But you, you watch Brady, who could overcome his physical inabilities with his mental ability. You, Drew Brees and the way he did, ran, ran his – you got to have a – you got to have a quarterback that can take you all the way. Uh, man, I have at this moment, I have zero confidence that Carr is going to be the guy to take us to the promised land. That's just kind of where I am. I hope I'm wrong about that, but that's just what I feel. Yeah, look, I, I think what, what your ceiling is with this team is maybe a playoff team, maybe you win the division, but there's just a limit to how far it could go without elite quarterback play. Like you, you made a great point. I mean, it's a quarterback driven league. All the rules are slanted to the passing game, so you really have to have a great quarterback. And I, you know, I think the team that wins the Super Bowl this year is going to be one of these elite quarterbacks. So I think that's the ceiling right now with this team is yes, win the division, get in the playoffs, maybe you win a game, and that might be about as far as I could see this team going. And so what what I go back to is is looking at the big picture, like okay, what are we doing here? 
where are we going? Like as an organization, what is the vision for trying to get back to the championship level? Because right now it just feels like that's good enough is what they're saying. We're just yeah. going to tread water with this veteran core and maybe we go 10 and seven with our breaks go our way and we win this bad division and that's going to be good enough. I mean, and I think that's why we're seeing the anxiety and, and the dissatisfaction in the fan base because Saints fans are smart and they've seen good football. They've seen 13 and three teams. They know what it looks like and this isn't it. So even if the team does cobble it together, and get to the playoffs, they're, they're going to want to know, what are we doing here long-term? And so I think that's the, the question. Hey, listen, you said something to me off the air the other day when we, got off the, when we got off the show. You said, you know, when people start talking about Shahid is this great, fast player, and, he, you know, we're not getting the ball to him, and Alave is this elite player, and we're not getting the ball to him. You said, man, there are a lot of of Shahids and Alaves in this league, so um, it's we got it. It's way beyond just saying that, but that's that's an important point you made, and I just wanted you to say it, you know, to the to the audience. Well, yeah, I think sometimes look, we're all myopic in our coverage, and you know, we're we're covering the same. Look, they've got good players. There's no question. Chris Alave is a first round draft pick. He a lot of teams in the league would like to have Chris Alave, but. There's a lot of teams that have very – I mean, we saw it last week in Jacksonville, right? Every Saints fan saw all of a sudden Christian Kirk running by the entire Saints defense, a good Saints defense for that go-ahead touchdown, right? That's a big-time player there. The running back, Travis Etienne, is a great player. I mean, he made some big-time plays in that game. Everybody's got skill players like that. I think what's happened here is we've kind of overrated the talent on this team. I mean, it's a talented team, but it's not – exceptionally talented by any means. I mean, I've seen the exceptionally talented Saints teams. 2011, when you had Jimmy Graham, Darren Sproles. I mean, the running back core in 2011, Ricky, was Darren Sproles, Chris Ivory, Pierre Thomas. Uh, you know, they had like four great running backs. The receivers were Devery Henderson, Marcus Colston, Lance Moore, Robert Meacham. Tight end was Jimmy Graham. They're not close to that right now. So I think what's happened is people have overrated and think this – this is a juggernaut offense. It's not. It's it's a good offense, and it's talented. But there's a guy on, on, on the Colts. You're going to see him on Sunday, Josh Downs from North Carolina, a rookie. I mean, he's every bit as good, if not better, than Rashid Jaheed. Uh, you know, he's their version of Shahid. He's fast and gets an open field. So, you, you know, I mean, there's a, there's a guy on every team like that. Uh, that this is the NFL. So I, I just think we, we can't go too far in overrating it. Yes, he's talented, but he's he's a undrafted free agent who's learning to be a receiver at the NFL level. And there's going to be growing pains and he does have ability. But if it, if it was just about just running fast, everybody just go recruit track athletes and put them a receiver. A lot, lot more to it than that. So at the, at the end of the game, uh, Moreau uh, missed that pass, which I didn't think was a good pass. But you know, most people felt like he, you know, this tight end should have caught it still because it was in his hands. But there was a lot of Twitter buzz around. Why aren't we seeing Graham? Because we, I thought we were going to see that was the scenario we wanted to see Graham, that he catches violently in those kind of scenarios. He's got really good hands. What's the story on Graham? Well, I think that's that's a good question. I think people are, are rightfully wondering, why did you sign Jimmy Graham if you're not going to use him, right? And I think that's a valid question. Uh, Jimmy Graham was out of the league for a reason, Ricky. I mean, there's a reason he didn't play anywhere last year. Nobody signed him. And it wasn't just that he didn't want to go anywhere. 
I mean, he's lo- I mean, he he's lost the athleticism that made him a special player. I mean, it, it happens. You get in your mid thirties. I mean, he's the oldest player on the team. You're not going to jump as high as you used to. You're not going to run as fast. So it's more than just being a tall six six guy. I mean, again, that gets back to what I was just saying. If it was just about being six six, I mean, there's a lot of six six tight ends in this league. That, you know, you just go out and sign a basketball player and put him out there. It's more complicated than that. And I think what, what you're seeing is the coaching staff telling you they don't think he's the answer. And that goes back to then why did you sign him? And so I think that's a that's a valid question more than Jimmy Graham's going to solve all the issues. I know he caught a red zone touchdown pass. I get that. But, like, you know, that was a great pass in a, in a tight window. Um, but I think I – think, Jawan Johnson coming back is going to open and unlock the tight end position. He's the future there. Uh, I don't think Jimmy Graham is is going to solve their red zone issues. Yeah, I, I think you're right about Jawan Johnson. It's great to great to see him coming back. Let me give you a, let me paraphrase a quote for you. Um, you're going to arrest me, man. I play for the Saints, and what a bad moment for Chris Olave. Yeah, the first thing they tell you is don't don't drop the do you know do you know who I am line, right? But look, I mean, I think the issue with Chris Olave is, you know, he's a young guy, he's had a lot come at him, and uh, you know, he's learning as he goes. You know, he's learning from some tough mistakes. Can't be driving recklessly like that. Uh, that's that's a recipe for disaster. Weaving in and out of traffic. That's why he was arrested. We had a story on that today, and I think people were rightfully curious. Why didn't he just get ticketed? Well, I think two things led into that. One, he already had a speeding ticket in the last couple of months, and that certainly showed up uh, when they ran his plates. And then two, he was weaving in and out of traffic, so that's dangerous. It's not just like he was on a empty road going 70 miles an hour in a 35. He was endangering potentially other motorists. Uh, so those two things, I think, led to his arrest. And look, he's going to have to come clean. He hasn't spoken yet. I know we're recording this on Friday, but eventually he's going to have to talk about it. And hopefully he admits it and takes accountability for it and, and can move on with his career. Yeah, just youthful. You know, some of the, you know, you can preach, preach, preach. But these are kids at the end of the day. They're going to make mistakes. And he's lucky that he wasn't drinking, and he's lucky that he didn't kill somebody you know, driving the way that he was driving. Hopefully they get through to him. But he's having a tough mental moment, that's for sure, in this moment in his career. There's no doubt about that. Hey, when we come back, we'll have a final segment with our friend uh, Jeff Duncan from NOLA.com and the Times speaking. We'll see you after this. Matthew show on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back to the Ricky Matthews Show from the Citizens Bank Studio. I have my friend Jeff Duncan from NOLA.com and the Times-Picayune. We're so lucky to have access to 
Jeff each week. And uh, it's, oh man, it's so cool to be able to get in and and get to see someone who's covered the Saints for so many years uh, give his perspective. We were talking about actually during the break the insider podcast that they're doing now. Four of the uh, key folks from uh, the Saints team get together and they sit in a studio and they talk about you know what they're observing and they see it from different perspectives. Some some are doing it from a sort of day to day what's going on with the Saints. Some are more analytical, but it's a really it's a really really good. And I we were chatting during the break that the the page the, excuse me I, I'm going back to my old publisher days page view the the video views from that show uh, is exponentially growing. It's because a lot of people are you know kind of getting tired of the, sort of the basic. You know, same messages, and they want to get more depth. So, if you haven't seen the Insider podcast, I'd really encourage you. You can go to YouTube, and or just go to go to uh, your your uh, Google search or whatever. Put Saints Insider, and in, you'll get you'll get an opportunity to see that podcast. But but Jeff, you guys are doing a really good job. Thanks, Ricky. Yeah, it's it's fun because you know Luke Johnson, our beat writer, does a tremendous job. Uh, we call him the eternal optimist. He's always looking at the the sunny side up version. And I'm kind of the crabby old guy who, you know, who, who's the Debbie Downer to some degree. So there's a lot of different opinions on there. Rod's kind of in the middle, uh, but you get a lot of different viewpoints. And look, it's all from people that are out there every day on the beat. Yeah, it really is a big deal. Hey, we haven't talked to any about the the Saints defense. You know, they've they've shown some vulnerability, but at the end of the day. They're keeping teams from scoring a lot of points, and uh, the, you know the offense just keeps letting us down. But uh, what's your assessment of sort of where the defense is right now? Well, look, I think one area that she's being encouraged is the run defense has been a lot better. I mean, that's something that they've improved from a year ago. I think they've got to get a little more pass rush. I mean, that's something that I think's been a little bit of a concern I had going into this season. They started out pretty good, and it's kind of leveled off of late. I think they need to get Brian Brzee, the first-round draft pick, to be a little more impactful in that area. Uh, Cam Jordan, I think, has one sack on the year. Uh, he's he, he's solidly getting in the backfield. He's just not getting home. Uh, and so that that could be just a matter of time. That's what happened a year ago. He kind of broke, broke through late in the season. Carl Granderson's had a breakout year. But the, the pass defense is always going to be a strength. Now, this week they play against Gardner Minshew uh, with the Colts. Minshew, they've shut down big time the last two times they faced him. Last year, you might remember, he was quarterback in the Philadelphia Eagles when the Saints went into Philly and won that game uh, when Philly was on a roll. Uh, and that's because they shut down Minshew, and they did the same when he played in Jacksonville. So I feel pretty confident defensively they're going to be able to shut down Indy's passing attack. To me, the challenge this week is Jonathan Taylor, Zach Moss, two really good running backs and a good offensive line. Can they control the run? And that'll be the biggest challenge. You listen, you talked a lot about Granderson going into the season. He came into training camp ready to roll. And week to week to week, you you always highlighted, holy mackerel, this guy came into camp ready to play contract year. He's going to make his mark. He gets into the season and man, he's been just a disruptive player. I mean, this he's, he's been on a mission. It would be, wouldn't it be good if you could have a bunch of call Grandersons in terms of heart. This guy doesn't stop. Does he? No, I mean, look, he's been a, a savior for them up front. I mean, he's definitely the most impactful player. He's gotten so much better against the run, Ricky, and he's a great example of, 
of what you know I, I try to tell fans all the time because they immediate they want immediate gratification right in a draft pick so right now people are down on Trevor Penning of course they're down on uh, Peyton Turner uh, Isaiah Foskey hasn't made much of an impact these big guys big linemen you have to let you have to let them develop and have some time and Carl Granderson didn't come into the league and start wrecking havoc it took him years he had to add strength and had lower body strength especially he had to add weight to where he could hold up against the run and now that he's gotten to that point he's become a, a you know a frontline player but it took three or four years for that to happen and so you know that that's i know people don't want to have patience anymore but you have to with with defensive and offensive line i keep going back in the day when the saints drafted akeem hicks and ended up giving up on him trading him and he ended up being an all pro and a pro bowler and al woods is another saints draft pick who's still playing in the nfl I mean, over a dozen years, and the Saints gave up on him and let him go after drafting him, and he's had a very productive career. He's probably better than their two in defensive interior linemen right now starting for him. So, like, you have to have patience sometimes up front. So, um, listen, uh, we'll shift gears. We got just a couple of minutes left, but Pelicans, we're, you know, we're once again praying that we stay healthy. Yeah, look, they got off to the uh, off on the right foot with a win in Memphis. Memphis is down right now with no John Morant, but look, it's it's now or never for this Zion Williamson-led team. Uh, so there should be some great expectations. They get a home game coming up against the Knicks, and uh, I'm sure the Smoothie King Center is going to be packed. We'll see how this season plays out, but there's a lot of excitement in New Orleans. We'll talk more about them next week and this new this new player taking the NBA by storm, 19-year-old Wimby. Lord, what an interesting yes. specimen of a human being he is and, and shooting from the top of the key, man, and ripping nothing but net. It's amazing. I saw some highlights from him this uh, last night. Holy mackerel. That's a, I'm not even an NBA fan, but it's just fun to watch guys like that. Anyway, we're out of time. It's been a pleasure, my friend. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you next week. Take care, Ricky. You bet. This has been Jeff Duncan from NOLA.com and the Times Picayune. Have a great week, and we'll see you on Monday. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.